0: and he like breaks the sound machines and stuff and like and saves arwen from the helicopter attack um and then it just immediately starts pouring yeah
1: yeah (laughs) all right welcome to another episode of the gazebo effect podcast i am one of the main hosts spencer price and today i'm joined by a good friend and star wars historian luke forney yeah that's me and we're doing an, the next episode, next installment of the MCU Rewatch. Today we're talking about Incredible Hulk and Thor. Yeah, the two strongest Avengers. Hmm, the two strongest Avengers. Or Point Break and the strongest Avenger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, I really enjoyed this actually way more than I thought I would.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, it has been a blue moon since I've seen The Incredible Hulk, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just a big fan of Ed Norton, um, and I think overall it's a pretty solid superhero movie, especially considering that it's like at the forefront of all of this wave of superhero movies that were coming out.
1: I think it's really interesting, to have some backdrop for anyone that doesn't know, it wasn't made by Marvel Studios. Right.
0: Because Universal owns like all of the rights to the Hulk. And so it's because of Universal that we're not seeing any kind of more Hulk solo movies, as Mark Ruffalo famously says in in an interview about how the MCU, the Marvel Studios, and Universal just refuse to play nice.
1: Which is odd because this movie exists. Right. And I think they were planning to make sequels.
0: Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that I noted about this is like, you know, there's a lot of things here that make it kind of seem clear that the Incredible Hulk was intended to have a number two, like, um, with at least, yeah, with Mr. Blue and his weird brain thing, um, the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce or Banner, what he would be Bruce Banner, uh, getting into touch, like being able to control the Hulk. And also, maybe even with uh, the Incredible Hulk ending in Canada, um, I I thought that was interesting because uh, we first see, like, Hulk's first appearance... Sorry, Wolverine's first appearance is to in fighting the Hulk in Canada. So, even though X-Men would have belonged to Fox at the time, it would have been
1: interesting to see that, too. Maybe, like... In 2008, it was really like like everything was pretty up in the air still. Yeah. I think it was kind of like they could work together. There's not really anything saying they could not. There'd just be some logistics. Oh, well, yeah. But then as soon as this stuff became really profitable in 2008, then everyone was like, no, I'm gripping it tighter than I ever have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there was a lot less structure at the time because, I mean... A cinematic universe on this scale, I don't think had been
1: seen before. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't define Star Wars as a cinematic universe, but I would say that it was the biggest one in existence at that time.
0: It was. I, yeah. It was Maybe at least Star the, Trek. It was probably like. Yeah, I guess Star Trek would have had a lot of movies too. Star Trek and Star Wars would have been the series that had the most,
1: like, kind of continuous films. Or, like, TV series tying into for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they were, like, planning to make at least one sequel. And then I think as soon as it started taking off and probably as soon as Edward Norton didn't come back. It was probably a combination of things. It was probably Edward Norton not wanting to come back and then... Disney acquiring Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Just a mixture of things that Universal was like. Yeah, we're taking our hands off the deal. The reason that Hulk is in the other movies is the deal that they have is that Thor, uh, Hulk, sorry, Hulk can be in movies with other heroes, but he cannot be like the main character. Which is how they get rid of get get away with him being in Thor Ragnarok.
0: Yeah, although he's kind of like co main character. But the title I would was born, say
1: so... so. <laughs> Luke, so what was, like, your overall opinion of The Incredible Hulk? I... Yeah, no, I, I liked it
0: kind of uh, more than I was expecting to. Like, there's some parts in it that probably don't add a whole lot to it. Like the... I mean, I know that her name in this movie isn't Arwen, but everyone referred to her as Arwen. Um, Betty Ross. Good. Uh Played by Liv Tyler. Anyways, like, she doesn't do a bad job, but, this I mean, that part of the story, I don't feel like it adds too, too much. I mean, it explains some of the things, and it's fine. But, like, you can see, like, there's a lot of markers um, that kind of show it
1: being, like, an early 2000s film. Um, Oh, yes. I'm really glad you said that, because a note that I made... After watching it, like the day after watching it, was The Incredible Hulk, The Born Identity, Fugitive, Love Child. Oh yeah, there's so many, and there's yeah, the rooftop
0: chase was very born esque. I think. Although actually, my first thought with the rooftop chase was like, oh, so this is where Aquaman got that from, because like same same camera shots and like everything. But
1: that I actually thought of. Casino Royale because it's like this was like mid two thousands so they're like oh my oh my gosh parkour is amazing we yeah. shall put parkour in everything every
0: single thing every yeah. single thing must have just like everybody, everybody knows kung fu and everybody does parkour
1: yes correct because they didn't I mean I don't remember like I don't know when it died but eventually it just
0: never died, parkour, never died. parkour still lives. No one's ever really gone.
1: No one's ever really gone.
0: In any case, um, but yeah, I think Incredible Hulk is, is pretty good, and I think it's true to all the characters involved. I think uh, Bruce Banner is a convincing Bruce Banner, um, and uh, General Thunderbolt Ross is a giant pain in the neck, like he's supposed to be. Yeah, um, he's
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, he does a great job. Uh, playing a very annoying character, which is what he's supposed to do. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's generally pretty good and not going to, it's not going to rank very high, like, on what my top MCU movies are, but it's not a bad, it's not a bad superhero
1: movie. No, not at all. I like how the, some movies do this well and some movies don't, but the beginning of the movie where it kind of just, like, brought us really up to speed on the Hulk. It's, it wanted to skip a lot of the the pre-stuff.
0: Yeah, which is... I have mixed feelings about that, because on the one hand, it's good, because we're not spending a whole lot of time on origin stories that, um, like with Spider-Man, kind of most people had been exposed to already. Uh, they've been exposed to that radiation before. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time it's also opening credits and just as a general rule of thumb I'm not a giant fan of opening credits but I mean it it's
1: fine it works I guess that's a good point wonder if the fugitive had opening credits Oh I don't know what something else that I do wonder about the production of this movie there's a lot of rumors that like they once they got Edward Norton on the movie he like hated the scripts Really he, I think I think there's just angry Edward Norton sometimes. And I heard that he rewrote or at least like redirected a lot of the, the movie.
0: Hmm.
1: I feel like maybe he did some, but tonally the movie is, is more serious than some other ones. Then, then especially in, some later ones,
0: uh, later MCU movies. You mean? Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. Um, yeah but it fits no, with not...
1: Phase one well, yeah, because oh. I feel like the Phase one movies are generally more serious, yeah, more sentimental because I
0: mean, I mean, you start off with like Iron Man and he's in a prison, he's in a he's being tortured and stuff, and
1: yeah, no good, yeah, and then here we are after that, with a man on the run, for sure. I loved everything about the the Brazil section of the mm-hmm. movie. I think all of that was really well done.
0: That that is, um, I mean, and it's one of my favorite uh, lines that I think about probably all the well a, a lot, and especially whenever I think about the Incredible Hulk is, uh, don't make me hungry. You
1: you wouldn't like don't me when I'm me. hungry. You you as a as a linguist would really enjoy that.
0: Well, it's like, but the thing is, like, I'm, like, 90% certain that uh, those words only sound similar in English and and probably (laughs) don't sound similar in Portuguese. So I'm not really sure how that happened, but that's, (laughs) it's whatever.
1: And he had, like, confirmed. Like, he knew what it meant. Yeah. But he still messed it up.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know Portuguese, but I do know other, like, romance languages with, of which I'm pretty sure Portuguese counts as one. It's pretty similar to Spanish, and Spanish is similar to French. So, like, in French, manger is the word to eat, and that starts with a a m, and, like, to be angry is, like, etre fache, and that, it just, it sounds nothing alike. <laughs> and so, I think he was saying fome, or something, uh. I don't know, yeah, it's
1: weird, <laughs> I still do really like that scene,
0: oh sorry, French is "je uh, femme. femme manger is oh. to eat, sorry, that's just <laughs> i don't Luke want I don't want people you. I don't want people to call me out in the comments. It's like, oh, he thinks manger means hungry, it really means eat, eat re, but <laughs> yeah,
1: please, please attack Luke in the comments no. <laughs> Please just destroy him. I can't him. handle it. <laughs> oh man, I like how there's some stylistic choices that this movie makes that I really enjoy. Um, the heart rate. Yeah. How they how they make it really like loud, and you can hear his heart beating, but you also can hear his watch. Those always really good. It it makes me. Some movies like I I feel like they like raise my heart rate or at least like I feel more like, intense or stressed. Not, like, seriously. Yeah. But this movie does really well in, like, making you feel the stress of the situation or the urgency. And then, of course, I think Edward Norton sells that really well.
0: Oh, yeah. And there's also a lot of just interesting, like, scenes visually in this movie. Um, I'm mainly thinking of the one where he's in that kind of glass hallway and they lock the doors on both sides and then, like, start to gas him. And it's just really visually interesting. Um, but that kind of leads me to a question that I have for you. What do you think about the
1: CGI of this time? Uh, that's, that's I'm glad you asked that because it actually pans into what I was about to say anyway in response to the earlier part. This movie goes out of its way for most of the movie to not show him transform. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that's the CGI. I think the CGI is pretty good. But yeah. it it falls it falters in certain parts. I don't know how much um, motion capture they used, for one. I feel like they had to have used some. It's pretty good.
0: Well, and it's also interesting because whenever you look at the Hulk in the MCU, that's like Mark Ruffalo's face. Like, it's distorted and stuff. But it's it's his face. I don't think that's the case here. I don't think it's either Lou Ferrigno or Edward Norton's face. I think it's just one that they kind of made up.
1: Yeah, and um, something I noticed is that he gets a haircut, which I have to I have to get back to. Yeah, <laughs> don't let me forget about the haircut. Okay. Scene. <laughs> but he gets like shorter hair, like noticeably shorter hair, Edward Norton. But then the Hulk comes, and the Hulk has longer hair again. Well, like you did earlier I, in the movie.
0: I think it's a little bit different. I feel like I, I feel like I recall like the back of his head being shorter.
1: But and then he conveniently has the same pants every time he transforms into the Hulk. Which Abomination doesn't have any pants. That's that was what I was going <laughs> to. I think Abomination is just an abomination of CGI. It's pretty. it's pretty bad but it's pretty bad i i don't know about you but i definitely like because he wasn't wearing pants that like that's where my eyes (laughs) as
0: as weird as weird as abomination is and like especially his face and stuff there was one thing that i thought whenever i saw him and i'm like wow this guy looks more like doomsday than doomsday does (laughs) in batman versus superman (laughs)
1: So many th- so many thoughts about Batman versus Superman lately. But he was a great but Abomination was the least green. It's true. But at least Abomination
0: wasn't like just a grey monster. Like he's I mean he's an Abomination,
1: but at least he has like a little bit of color to him, a little bit of saturation. He's got that yeah, he's got that brighter green color. Yeah. I don't think he looks much like Tim Ross either though. No,
0: he definitely doesn't. And I think uh, kind of what we were saying about the Hulk is probably true for Abomination is just, yeah. But, and, and here's another thing that I don't like about Abomination, but I can't be too upset about it because I'm pretty sure it's the way that, like, all of the Hulk villains go, like in the cartoon and stuff, is that Abomination is is able to talk for some reason and the hulk is still like hulk doesn't really get to speak coherently until he spends a really long time
1: in hulk form as per the mcu and even then it's like gibber like he's he's kind of like a toddler well yeah and then but i mean i'm kind of thinking of a smart hulk yeah and then smart hulk which he he has to like spend time in a lab to like merge them together yeah I do really like Smart Hulk, but that's something way down the line. Yeah, (laughs) way, way, way down the line. I, 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 so I do like the CGI. I do think the Hulk looks really good. Yeah, especially for two thousand eight.
0: And with the scene where we actually do see him transform, it's like, and it's weird because it's like slowed down because they're doing it, like they're inducing it, and they're trying to counter it and stuff like that. But, I mean. It's not
1: awful. It's not, it's not terrible. It's not amazing. I,
0: I guess it's about what you might would assume for a person like Edward Norton size to become Hulk size. At least it's not like uh, Scooby-Doo, like reptile monster bad, but...
1: <laughs> so uh, I was watching it with with Brandon, who you know, and he happened to mention sometime... Maybe it was in the Hulk Abomination fight, but he was like, everyone is so sweaty in this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. Like, yes, like everybody is so sweaty in this movie. But also, this is probably the thing that I thought was most stupid about this movie, is after... um, So they have the big fight at the university... Um, and, right. and he like breaks the sound machines and stuff and like, and saves Arwen from the helicopter attack. Um, and then it just immediately starts pouring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is like the most
0: too. early two thousands thing in the world It's like, it, it was brought on by nothing except the plot.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's not the only time that happens too, because he's walking out of the pizza place Uh huh. and it starts raining again. I think it rains one I think it rains one more time, but I can't remember when it, it rains
0: was. a lot and every time it's completely random
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get.
0: the the weather is based con fully on what is happening in the plot at the time I mean yeah,
1: Edward Norton has controlled the weather as we all know, that's true, so yes, everyone's sweaty in the movie um I don't I think you said like. Arwen is fine I don't think she's even that I think.
0: I mean she's, she's like she's the cringiest
1: part of the movie probably
0: but it's better than her scenes in the Lord of the Rings that just like Peter Jackson is just like alright so we're going to hold a still frame shot of Liv Tyler's face for like five minutes straight there's less of that the in extended edition will be ten minutes straight. Yes. so, there's so we less have to th- film
1: for ten minutes straight
0: <laughs> right there's there's less of that in the Incredible Hulk. But I mean like
1: I mean it is what it is. Yeah, I it was just she's so breathy. Like she's more breathy than like a two thousands worship artist or something. Nice. Yeah. Bruce Bruce Everyone was like laughing out loud. Like it's not supposed to be funny, but like she walks out of the pizza place and she's like screams out into the night but it's like not screaming. It's bros. <laughs> I, I did want to mention that I feel like they missed a big opportunity. I like the Stan Lee cameo that they did, but I almost think they should have had Stan Lee be Stan the pizza man.
0: Oh, that would have been good.
1: It but would have the, I, think, I think that sense. would have
0: required more than one line, which is the problem. Can he only have one line? I feel like he can only have like one scene. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I want to maybe as we watch these movies for the rewatch, we need to see if, if in his cameo Stanley has more than one actual scene.
1: Yeah, for sure. He hasn't had more than one yet. He's only yeah, had no. one line. Because in, in
0: Thor, he's just
1: you see him in the truck and then that's it. And then in Captain America, he had, he had one line. Captain Marvel, he doesn't even have a line.
0: I guess it's, it's because, I guess it's
1: because Stan Lee can't be, like, an actual character. I mean, I think, I think... Or can he? Not to my recollection, at least. Well, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, James Gunn kind of retcons it to where Stan Lee, is, he's talking to watchers. Right. And he's saying, well, it's like, this is back when I was a postman.
0: Oh, yeah, it was like this continuity between all of his different
1: things. But at the same time, that doesn't make sense because that was supposed to be referencing Captain America Civil War, which did take it did come out before Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but it doesn't take place until after Guardians 2.
0: it would be great if we just found out one day that Stan Lee is like this being even higher than the Watchers, (laughs)
1: like even more powerful. (laughs) He is a Watcher. Yeah. I do really like... That doesn't mean he's dead, though, does it? Maybe he is dead. In the Incredible Hulk movie. Um, I don't know.
0: I don't think so. I think... Uh, I, I mean, I don't think they ever say that he died.
1: What did you think about Blonsky in general, but also pre-abomination? Um, I liked Tim Roth. Uh, Blonsky's insane. I just I said Tim Ross earlier. Yeah. I apologize. There's Thunder... There's General Ross. Yeah. Tim Roth. Yeah. Roth is the guy that plays Blonsky. Blonsky.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a... Like, I like to see Tim Roth in different roles. Mainly because I watched, like, that crime show with him, Lie to Me. And he's just... I think he's a good actor.
1: Um... I really want to watch Lie to Me, actually.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Um, he's... It's okay. He's he's crazy. He's a power
1: crazy character. There's not a whole lot more to it. What what were you thinking? I I really enjoyed um, this more more this time. He's pretty he's pretty terrifying. I think his transition does really well to show that the Super Soldier Serum that anyone makes besides like Erskine with Steve Rogers just makes people go crazy.
0: Okay. See, I. I see what you're saying with that, but what I took away from the film was that Ross's super serum formula worked, it's just you only need to use it once. It was the fact that they did the double dose that made him crazy, I think. Like, obviously, like, he was, well, it was the double dose that made him, like, his body weird. Yeah. But the first dose actually made him better, and I think it was more
1: just, like, his own character that led him to be power hungry. I think I feel like Erskine is right that it elevates every part of the person. So, like bad becomes worse. So like he, like he's a bad person. So with the power, he becomes like a ter- more a worse person just because of him, like him being dumb. Like he's bad anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and I and I think that, like cinematic universe wise, they're it can't be a super serum that works. But I think if you looked at Incredible Hulk by itself, you would say, Oh, well actually that just by the first dose by itself, like it might have that the the same effects that you mentioned, but like the dose itself made what they were looking for. Um but I think just that that was kind of a plot device that they wanted to use for that movie and didn't like plan ahead for MCU and so MCU just kinda dropped that, like, left that behind. Which I feel like we see a lot with different things in this movie. Um, For example, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s presence in The Incredible Hulk is different than you see S.H.I.E.L.D. anywhere else. It's like the Army, just for some reason, is able to use S.H.I.E.L.D. databases to find Bruce Banner. Um, And you get, like, Nick Fury name-dropped in the opening credits. But other than that, like, shield for some reason is is just helping the army.
1: Um
0: and another maybe thing they're
1: like helping them as much as they're like legal, legally required to or something too. Maybe. Uh but also it's just like
0: what what the heck happened to Abomination? Cuz Hulk, Hulk
1: didn't kill him. So where is he? Um I'll come back to that when we talk about we're going to talk about MCU connections. And there's, there's a couple of things I'm going to talk about that kind of help tie that in. I really liked um, General Ross. They take time to do the whole scene between him and Blonsky where they talk about the super soldier serum. But I feel like Ross doesn't really like the idea of Cabin America, so he doesn't really directly mention him. But yeah. he talks about the 1940s and how they did that. But like that whole scene, I feel like a lot of other movies... Like in that time, especially wouldn't have taken the time to do that, but I guess it boosted it was supposed to boost how you felt about Blonsky's character, probably, but I feel like it did a lot for tying it in. There's a part where the line he says, as far as I'm concerned, that man's entire body is property of the u s Army, yeah, which is the worst, but it, yeah, it, it's I mean it's his character, so it's how he is, yeah. But I think Arwen, a good thing she does say is talk about at the end that she's like you used your hunt for him to cover your failures. Mm-hmm. That is a good line. Yeah. Also, they pointed out that the um, the black guy with him, that's sending he he's the guy that brings in Blonsky. He's in Heroes, I guess. I haven't watched any of Heroes besides the pilot, but Heroes fans out there, eat your there. heart outs. Yeah, and he totally dies at the end, because he has to. Everybody. Everybody does. So we talked about this before we started recording, but I really love the score for this movie.
0: Yeah, it's got a good kind of feel to it, and it helps with, like, the tension. Because as we mentioned, this is kind of a dark, a darker superhero movie, so I think it... it it has a good energy and tension
1: to it. I think thriller would be a definition that they were going for, but they did not achieve. Yeah. Like, yeah, because
0: you see thriller and some of the elements where, um, like, Hulk is in shadow at the beginning and things like that. Uh, but there is actually a scene I was thinking about that if they wanted to do thriller, they really could have done differently. And it's the, the very first scene – well, not the – it's the scene where Abomination is in the middle of the street and he's chasing after the car with a broken front wheel. If they had just, like, kept the camera coming from that broken car and, like, put you into the shoes of those soldiers, like, watching all this chaos happen, it would have been much more freakier um, and, I think, much more interesting,
1: but – yeah, for sure. And, of course, the car has to have the broken tire. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? Something I did notice is that the, there's all these military Jeeps in this movie. Of course, because it's the army. <laughs> um, and every single time a Jeep comes into frame, it has to go over something.
0: <laughs> like, like the time that uh, the, they're sending the 50 cows out and General Ross is like, where are those 50 cows? And then they just, like,
1: ramp off of a random hill that's just right yeah. next to them. They have, And then they have to drive, like, oh, they, they, like, bust through two cars, between two cars, just throw yeah. them out of the way. They fly over these bushes. And, and I did, like, the Culver scene where he's like, where the hell is the gunship? And it's, like, miles away. It's, it's
0: like, what happened? It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, there's a shot of the gunship,
1: and I'm like, I'm like, is this as close as you could get the gunship to the university?
0: But but also there's another thing which that reminded me of, that, like, all of these soldiers and stuff are really dumb because they don't realize that, like, their Trank stuff and their bullets aren't doing a single thing. So, like, I guess the gunship, no, even the gunship didn't do anything. So it's like, what, why are you all still trying to, I don't know. There was a lot of times where I was like, you know, if I was a soldier in this in this situation, I would just leave. I would just go away. There's no there's no fighting that thing.
1: I think they're all just terribly unprepared and most of them die when they come in contact. So there's no one to tell the story or they're like sent to like some they're probably like brainwashed or something. So Ross doesn't want anyone to know about it.
0: Is there, so is there any particular reason why Betty Ross doesn't want the Hulk to kill abomination. I guess because that's not the heroic thing to do. but yeah, I guess it. our guess is like in favor of self-control
1: rather than just raging like a beast. but I think that's her that's her vibe is that like she wants Bruce to have control over the Hulk. Like that's her kind of personal goal even if she's willing to help Bruce kind of get rid of it. So, about Betty, actually, I don't know if I like their love story at all, but the love theme that plays always, like, tugs at my heartstrings. So, I think when I was, especially when it came out, I, like, was more into it, but I think it's still pretty good. It's not too bad. But what I was going to say about the haircut scene, it's the born identity effect where if cutting hair in the 2000s always leads to sex. (laughs) I just thought that was a weird trope. But I'm like I've seen that in at least at least two, if not way more movies than that. Speaking of other early two thousands uh tropes, uh
0: getting in a car jam and uh just leaving the car
1: in the middle of the road so you can <laughs> <laughs> just walk across the bridge. Yeah, that works. Actually no wait, they got on a boat.
0: They did get on a boat.
1: But they did also just leave the truck. Like they got out and left. It's like, who's going to, what are they going to do with that car? I don't know. Someone's going to have to just, someone's going to be like, whoever's behind them is probably like, what the heck? Because <laughs> <laughs> they walk to the back. They literally walk right in front of the car. That's probably, this person's just like, I, I just want to get into New York City. I got to get to work. I want to see a Marvel miniseries about all these people who are
0: inconvenienced by uh, Marvel protagonists uh, being
1: inconsiderate. <laughs> But, yeah, sad day to the lack of follow-ups to this movie. Not that it, like, was really big and deserved a sequel necessarily, but I thought I think the leader would have been really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah.
0: The big thing with Hulk villains, though, is that they all kind of tend to blur into each other. Like, I guess Leader leader is different than Abomination, but, like, other than that, like, everybody's, like, Abomination in some way. I could
1: name four Hulk villains, but two of them are the same person.
0: Yeah. Because
1: there's Abomination, and then there's the Leader, and then there's General Ross, but General Ross is also Red Hulk sometimes. Oh, yeah. In any case, I think...
0: While a sequel to Incredible Hulk would have been interesting, I I would hope it would be interesting at least. Um, I think the way that we have the Hulk now, where he's mainly teaming up with others, is a good formula and it works well.
1: Um, I think Mark Ruffalo is better in that environment too.
0: And Yeah, and I think Mark Ruffalo is a great Bruce Banner as well.
1: Just real quick before we um, move on, I'll kind of fly through some of this stuff because we've talked to you about a lot of it the the infamous OMG I just noticed this noticed this section I actually talked about it already was the missed opportunity for Stanley to be the pizza man
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, my probably OMG I just noticed this was with
0: uh, the I also mentioned it before it was with the
1: super serum actually working oh yeah but, and there's the double dosage that's yeah, good yeah so MCU connections yeah there is shield it's kind of different. But I like Mr. Blue and Mr. Green just because that was funny. And then of course Stern has to be wearing blue. Yes. When they meet him. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross, he comes back in Civil War. I'm of course. Of course, course of Tony right Stark
0: now. shows up at the
1: end. Which why didn't they do that as an end credit scene? Who knows? Um, and then all the stuff about the Super Soldier serum. The part I was gonna say about Abomination. So I know. I'm going to go to one-shots in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This tells you how much I'm digging to find connections. (laughs) But I guess... So Ross has possession of Blonsky, Abomination, in prison. I guess Abomination doesn't transform transform back. No. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a one-shot, which the one-shots are all good. Most of them are kind of action-packed, but they ran out of money. (laughs) So this one is um, Sitwell, who's later Hydra and Coulson in a diner. And they're talking about how the World Security Council actually wants to recruit Abomination for the Avengers initiative. Because they're stupid. We yeah. know they're dumb. Yeah. We know they're dumb. Winter soldier is just like, hey, remember World Security Council we mentioned and how they're dumb? They're dumb. Now we're going to talk about it. I guess the Avengers did that before that. Doesn't hesitate to nuke, nuke New York City. <laughs> I
0: see that the council is... I, I accept that the council has made a decision, but seeing as it was a stupid, a stupid decision, ass decision, <laughs> I would like to ignore it. Order.
1: <laughs> That's one of the best lines That is adventures. That is one of the best. We're getting super ahead of ourselves. It's fine. But basically, Sitwell's um, like, well, let's just send a, we'll, we'll send our own, we have to send the representative. He's like, so we have to send a representative to to Ross to ask for something that we definitely don't want. <laughs> <laughs> he's like correct and he's like well just send a patsy i could do a great patsy and then Coulson's like no we need someone else we need someone that's really arrogant someone that's really annoying someone that just like could not make him more frustrated and then was like you're describing the consultant which is iron man too they they established that shield he's like a consultant for shield and then Coulson's like no i didn't he's like you just described him he's like no i'm not bringing in the consultant so then and then it shows that Tony stark Talks to Ross.
0: Oh, so Tony Stark talking to Ross in the bar was them wanting to get Abomination and not the Hulk.
1: Well, like they said Tony Stark on purpose, right. so that so Ross would be so furious. And so then, and then there's another scene of them the next day. And I guess Ross was so mad he tried to have Stark like, he was like he tried to have Stark uh, thrown out of the bar. They're like, what happened? And then Stark bought the place. Demolition is scheduled Thursday. <laughs> Also, that bar scene's kind of weird because he just has, like... I don't even know what it is, but he has, like, a super green drink. Yeah. I was like, that's fine. All, basically, all the
0: drinks in that movie were super green.
1: Yeah, nothing in this movie is not green.
0: Except for the purple stretchy pants that he doesn't put on. Yeah. although Although his Hulk pants almost always end up to be some shade of purple
1: anyways. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a retcon. So... The guy in the computer lab that has the pizza that Bruce Banner brought there—he is the actor. Well, he's also in Silicon Valley, which I just started watching. But he is the guy that plays the teacher of T- Peter Parker, like the main guy. I
0: thought he—I thought he looked similar. I.
1: So he just kind of happened to be in both movies, but then they—the director of Incredible Hulk. I think he it was the director of incredible Hulk and John Watts kind of like talked about it and they decided that he studied at Culver university and then he went back to New York to teach. Nice. I,
0: I like, like that. Nice.
1: Yeah. I like it too. Cause he doesn't say anything. It's not like there's anything that's keeping him from doing that. So it's a nice tie in. Mm, but yeah, I wrote that, but go ahead. Other than that, I
0: don't see a whole lot of MCU connections. It's like it's like this is very much like the stepheaded red child of the MCU, whereas is the one that people forget is a part of everything, eh, probably because um, of the recasting, especially, but also like Ruffalo Hulk just doesn't mention or really care about most of the same things that uh, Norton Hulk really does.
1: Well, so the deleted scene in the Arctic, Mark Ruffalo mentions it, which is odd, but it works for the Avengers in that scene. And then he also talks about destroying Harlem. But other yeah. than that, not a ton of stuff. Also, a, go, go ahead. oh, sorry.
0: Um, another thing that I thought about with this movie is I think that the, the beginning movies are special in that I think that they're the only movies of the MCU that are allowed to are allowed to recast. Um, for example, with Iron Man to Iron Man Two, um, you have different Rhodey, and with uh, Incredible Hulk to uh, just the Avengers, I guess you have a different Hulk. I think I think we're past the point where audiences will, because the MCU is so established. I think it. it Recast will be less likely to be forgiven nowadays.
1: but That's a good thought. I didn't think about that. The other references just outside of the MCU, it's kind of a sequel to Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003. So the beginning is supposed to kind of sort of tie it in. And then uh, at one point they say that he was five years in hiding, which 2003, 2008. Yeah. It's like they kind of were like, this could be a sequel. It's not, but it could be. Sort of like a soft reboot, maybe. It's a soft reboot, for sure.
0: Which I like Eric Bana. It's a so. it's like
1: a soft reboot and then it's also a prequel to the MCU. The yeah. Eric Bana, yeah. Fire Everything. I, remember? From, I didn't from that I another yeah, that other Eric Bana movie? I didn't know that was Eric Bana. I, I didn't either. Until we rewatched it that time. I was like, we, sounds familiar from something. We we watched it. <laughs> we are the Hulk. We world. could roll this city, Spider-Man.
0: Anyways. Spider-Man. Uh, Lou Ferrigno's in it. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. He's a security
1: He's guard. Awesome. And also He's the Hulk. He's still massive. He's a giant He's dude. He could have taken on Hulk and Abomination. That's <laughs> true. That's how they should have ended the movie. That the been, security guard should have just taken them both down. That would have been a great alternate ending. Uh, it's styled like *The Fugitive* and *Born Identity*. Also, Lou Ferrigno does the roars for the Hulk. Yep. Which he did that until Thor Ragnarok, which kind of made me sad that they changed it to Ruffalo. I mean, I see why they did that, but all the same. Cringe parts, everything, most everything. Arwen said the cave scene. Oh yeah, a cave scene was something. Was something. It was a scene. It was rainy. That's all I could say about this movie. Yep. And then pretty much everything, Abomination, but I think Blonsky made me cringe too, but I was kind of supposed to, like, when his body changed. Like, with his body? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, did you like the line where the other guy was like, are, are you feeling alright? he was like, I feel like a monster. Like a monster. <laughs> Skillet starts playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty sure that song wasn't out by this point, actually, so. Oh, well.
1: Yeah, you're right. Monster was 2009. Dang, we were so close. Why do I, rem- I, <laughs> why, I don't know that. why you know that. <laughs> That's one of my friends posted like a he's in high school. He works. He works at my work, but he was he posted like a picture, a video with his friend's Instagram story, and he played those nights by skill. <laughs> 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 Made my day. Goodness. Made my week, and, ru- and ruined his own life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, Luke, I have to explain this to you because I, I don't know if I actually sent it to you in the outline, but this is going to be really easy for this movie. But every movie has a dark horse. I asked, them to, I asked my guests to tell us what their dark horse character is. So it can't be the main character, but I guess in this case Edward Norton's almost a different character. But it has to be like someone that either like made the movie for you or was just really awesome, someone you really enjoyed uh hmm and you can't use them ever again that's why i was saying this movie might not apply as much because it's just one off it's a one-off
0: honestly this i feel like this movie is even extra hard because like so i was watching it through amazon prime video which has like the x-ray thing where if you click like you can see all the actors on screen and except for like Betty Ross, Mel Blonsky, General Ross, and Bruce Banner. Like, nobody else has a name in this movie. I guess Mr. Blue has a name. but It's true. So I guess Mel Blonsky is probably my dark horse.
1: But okay. Mel Blonsky, not Abomination. That's good. That's fair. Uh, and then Thunderbolt Ross was fine. look would now be a good time to mention our, our sponsor for this episode? Oh, yes, of course. Um, now that we're moving forward away from Incredible Hulk, Today I'm happy to say we were sponsored by Edward Norton's ghost.
0: Oh, rest in pieces, rest
1: in pieces. He's. I mean, he's not. He's, he's not. He's, dead, he's buried next to Eric Bana. Yes, and uh, Terrence Howard. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, it's just a grave party. <laughs> oh gosh. Luke, what did you think of Thor?
0: I liked him. Um. Yeah, no, I think this is a really strong start to um, the Thor movies. Of course, we know that not all of the Thor movies are equal in quality, but I think this one's pretty, pretty solid. Um, let me see. Yeah, no, I think, I, I, I think probably one of my favorite things about this movie and I, this might seem like a really small thing, but I really, really like Thor's costume. And, yeah, and his really his good. winged helmet that he has like at the beginning and never puts on ever again.
1: Yes, but he kinda did some he gets a helmet like it in uh in Ragnarok, Ragnarok too. Yeah. More winged helmets is what I say. But mm, that's a good point. But I think um at least if they do anything like the comics in uh Thor Four or Thor Love and Thunder or otherwise Four Thor, yeah. Thor. Um and the comics of it which I read which I don't read that many comics so I'm pretty impressed with myself <laughs> um, Jane Foster no they don't know that Thor's like on a he's like on his own quest to try to he's trying to figure out who it is because he's unworthy at this time so he's trying to figure out who has the hammer you know and he keeps going to all these ladies in his life which is, is funny because it goes to Sif and she's like she's like not friends with him at this point yeah So she kind of just tells him off, and he's just going all the way around. But he doesn't think it's Jane Foster because she has cancer at the time. But she wears like a helmet that has, it's like a really. Oh, yeah. I really like because it
0: has the, and it like closes in around the eyes and stuff, too. Yeah, no, I really, I really like the Jane Foster Thor costume.
1: And I like Jane Foster in this movie, too.
0: Yeah, she's pretty good. Um, Interesting character that, like, just doing science out in New Mexico. Um, looking for,
1: look at stars and stuff.
0: Yeah. And pretty likable person. Although, apparently, she's just a horrendous driver. That's that's what yeah, I took away terrible from. driver. Got in so many car accidents. Uh, whenever she was driving Thor to the landing point of the hammer, they, like, go off of the road, and she's just, like, just won't look at the road, but it's okay. She
1: keeps looking at she goes looking at dreamy eyed Chris Hemsworth.
0: Yeah. That, okay, so I can't remember if this is the case or not, but is his is any amount of his hair
1: colored differently in this movie than it is elsewhere? Yes. Okay. That's my that's actually the the only cringe I really have about this movie is Thor's eyebrows. Yeah. They had the Audacity register trademark to <laughs> To bleach his eyebrows. This is just a weird move. I wrote this down. Odin is, as always, a jerk. Well. Oh. But he's also right. Yeah, I was about to say. In this movie, at least. In the comics, Odin's kind of the worst sometimes. But in this movie, in the in the, all the movies, Odin's Odin's pretty good.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, this movie does
0: a really good job of like, it's it's there's a weird tension with it because, on the one hand, you want to agree with Thor at the beginning because it, it does seem like an act of war and it and he's the hero and you know that, so you would think that he would be, like, right about kind of these things, and so it's like, on the one hand, like, Odin is kind of being too harsh in his judgment of Thor, but then, like, you see that he actually is, like, really kind of selfish and foolish um and i think the kind of best way to sum that up is with how uh oh gosh i don't remember what her name what her character's name is but uh thor's mom and odin's wife uh, freya freya yeah that's the character's name right so freya says um that there's nothing that odin does that doesn't have like a purpose behind it and so um that's cool to watch that play out.
1: I like Luffy. I mean, he's not like the main antagonist in this movie, but he's kind of, he's kind of scary enough. And I think this movie did a blend of CGI and like the frost giants weren't all like CGI, so I appreciated that. But it's interesting that they would throw away, they threw away Loki to die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they didn't want him because he was so small for yeah. a giant. I'm, like, way more into... I, like, know more about Norse mythology, especially now after playing, like, God of War 4 and stuff. So I think I was more interested in Norse mythology this time. But when I first saw this movie, it was, like, my favorite at the time. It was, like, my favorite one of all of Phase one because I knew they were building towards the Avengers, but I didn't know anything about what was going to happen. And then they... Like, they did a lot of work on Loki in this movie and it made Avengers 1 really good.
0: Yeah, no, I would say Loki is probably... He's got to be one of the top villains in the MCU just in general. But, yeah, he's really good. And also, there's another thing that I hadn't noticed about this movie before that I really appreciate is you just kind of get to see a lot of foreshadowing um, with everything. So, like, for example, the Destroyer... Um, Odin uses the destroyer to take out the, the frost giants who, uh, infiltrate their kind of, their vault. And then that's the same destroyer that Loki uses at the end of the movie to try to kill Thor. I
1: don't really understand if Thor is mortal or not. In, in this movie or just in general? Well, so, I mean, I know he's like, I think they're mortal in the way that they just live a really, really freaking long time. Yeah. But I feel like Thor without the hammer in Ragnarok is far different than the Thor without the hammer in this movie.
0: Well, I think it's because whenever the hammer was destroyed in Ragnarok, Hela didn't like strip Thor of his power. Okay. But but I think in this that was what I was kind of. But in this about. case, I think it was like Odin took, like actually took the power from
1: Thor and placed it into the hammer. That makes more sense, and so then with him getting the hammer back, it went back into Thor. Right. Because he's like fully human when he's on Earth.
0: But even then, he's like, like all the training that he's done as an Asgardian puts him well above like any average
1: the average human. Dude. Yeah. I like Coulson says he's kind of a jerk in this movie actually. Yeah. But I like I like I enjoy it. Well, I mean, he's, he's like, kind of a jerk until Avengers. But that's true, cause he doesn't. He hates Tony Stark. So they don't really see they like he doesn't. He's not nice to him, and he's not in Captain America. So yeah, he's. Um, but he's like you made all my. He made I have some of the highly most highly trained. Like, specialists in the world look like a bunch of mall cops. Yeah. <laughs> I think something about Odin I wanted to say. There's a line that I wrote down because it was really good. When they were kids, he says, um, The wise king never seeks war, but he must always be ready for it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Odin's just awesome. Anthony Hopkins is one of the best casting they could have done. They did some really great casting, too. (laughs) Pre-famous Idris Elba. Oh, dude. I was about
0: to say that... uh...
1: Uh, Heimdall is just one of my favorite characters in like all of these movies. I was really sad when I almost there was like a I thought there was a chance that he wasn't going to be in Ragnarok and I was like no <laughs> please I need I it I must <laughs> even if he's just there for like two seconds saying I see etc I need to see it <laughs> but I like when he's talking to the the warriors three and Lady Sif. Where he's like, "You would betray the rule. You would do this. He's, yes, good. <laughs> good." <laughs> it's like,
0: "I am honor bound to not do anything." But you go. He's like,
1: "I can't do anything." <laughs> Conveniently walks away with the sword. Yeah, <laughs> still in the in the place. I like the Bifrost and how it manifests in this movie. Mm-hmm. They did some really good designs on that. Asgard is cool. Uh, I think they made it look more pretty with every time it's seen. Oh but-
0: yeah, I totally agree.
1: It's great. It looks like a giant organ. It's really, really an interesting city. Although, it like, gives me a lot of like Mount Olympus vibes, but it's uh, obviously Norse.
0: Some of the it actually gave me some Atlantis vibes because it's like on a dish, and so, but
1: it looks like a it looks a lot like Atlantis in the flashback scenes and at uh, Aquaman. We're talking about Aquaman again. I know, but. Just thought about it. It's, it's a, a great movie. It's a
0: lot of Aquaman talk for a Marvel podcast.
1: Well, I think, I think the reason Jason Momoa Aquaman is a thing is kind of because of Thor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess he's kind of more or less their equivalent.
1: Yeah, I would say he is for sure. But yeah, Heimdall's great. Loki's really good at, like, I think this time watching it, his manipulation of people made a lot, like, He was just so, like, effective at manipulating people that I wasn't able to follow his plan. Oh, yeah. Um, But I think it was cool because he, like... He kind of flips it on its head over and over and over again. So I'm like, of course he brought the Frost Giants in the first time. And then he talks Thor into going back to Jotunheim. I didn't really notice that he did that. I had
0: forgotten that he... Uh, had turned against the Jotunheim. He turned against the Frost Giants
1: at the end. At the end, yeah, that's the part that I forgot. Too. But then, I, but because then, it then, it seems like he's like bringing them in to kill Odin, and then he afterwards it so makes sense.
0: Like, he wants to be the hero,
1: and which that's what his goal is the whole time. Because like even in Ragnarok, they like almost make it a joke. Because he's like, your savior is here. Yeah. So good. I like that they. They go straight from, they find, like, banished Thor back to the beginning of the movie. It's the Iron Man 1 effect, but it worked.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Worked really good. Um, What did I write here? Oh, I thought it said, I thought I wrote down, Chris Hemsworth is so, so buff. He is, he is, to use the word uh, used in the film, he is cut for a homeless guy. yeah. (laughs) This actually was, like, the first time we saw Chris Hemsworth like this, because he was a pretty skinny dude. Just kind of, he was fit, but not, like, super fit. He basically went from, like, Andrew Garfield to Thor.
0: Yeah, and he's been bulky ever since.
1: True. He's still bulky. And I like like that he's not working out because of Thor. Yeah, (laughs) But he happens to be fit all the same. Yeah. But he's, like, off his rocker in this movie, like... He's just all over the place. I like how he just interacts with Earth and the whole hospital scene, are just so weird. I like he gets tasered and he gets drugged.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he really, he really gets humbled there in the first
1: kind of like ten scenes that you see him on Earth. I really like that transition. The funniest part of the movie for me was either uh, this drink, I like it, another.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: And then the one where he walks into the pet place. I need a horse! <laughs> we all give have me, horses.
0: We have dogs, cats. Then give me one that's big enough to ride. <laughs> well,
1: you don't, like, he has no idea what they are.
0: Isn't the funniest scene in the movie, whenever uh, Coulson calls for somebody to get on the gun, and you see the camera uh, pan, and he's, like, hands on a sniper rifle, but then he puts it back and then grabs a bow instead?
1: And it's Hawkeye? <laughs> yeah. I did like that, but... Brandon pointed out that, too. He's like, Hawkeye would never grab the gun first. That's true. Like, he's just grabbing it for the camera. <laughs> I still... I think the hype was there. Like, because they did that. Like, you were expecting them... Also, like, how did they... Jeremy Renner was a big actor at that time. It's kind of expensive to bring somebody in for, like, one day like that. I mean... That, that, that practice hasn't gone out of fashion... You are absolutely right. Man, what else do I have here? Lens flares.
0: All the lens flares.
1: We're back to Eric Banner again.
0: Oh, because, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> this is, Kenneth Bernal showed it to J.J. J. Abrams and he's like, I like it. I but love it.
0: It could use more lens flares.
1: could use more lens flares. I like the sci- the science fiction elements of it. I like how they didn't go full magic. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like what, they didn't what they they have call, to commit to it. What They
0: call magic. Well, so what's the line that Thor says? What do you what do you used what do you used to call magic and what do you call science today are one and the same for us?
1: But yeah, it's interesting that they're so advanced. And I think Thor Two does a little bit towards showing that. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember honestly. Thor two is definitely the one I remember the least of, probably for the best. Maybe we'll see, we will see. But Thor's big turn in this movie, I like. He sells both of them. Like I, I believed he was really arrogant. I believed his humble. Like Hemsworth does really well and transitioning. I think he's really a good comedic actor too, mm-hmm. which they didn't really totally utilize in this movie. But you as see much. it a lot
0: in like every Later other movies. Thor scene, yeah,
1: yeah. Taika is really Taika Waititi, yeah.
0: I think this might technically have to do with MCU connections, but uh, Loki we can go into that. Okay, that's fine. cool. Loki being a frost giant just doesn't matter in any of the other movies. <laughs> yeah,
1: it never matters again. But that was really good. This looks some, it.
0: sometimes his skin is blue, and then that that's it. Okay,
1: that's it. Yeah. Uh, if the if he touches the cold thing, if he what if he picks up like. Movie well, picks up, like, an ice water. <laughs>
0: yeah. The casket... Oh, my hand. The casket doesn't matter. It, the... Yeah,
1: it's never seen it again. Or does he still have it? Because uh... he, like, conceals it, you know? I don't know. I would have to watch
0: Ragnarok again to see if it's in that room. Where, like, Hela's, like, walking through
1: it and is like, fake, fake. I think she does... She either, she says, she says talks about either Surtur's helmet or she talks about the casket and she's like, that might be cool to use. She says something like that, but I can't remember which one of those objects she's talking about. Ooh, I should say before we move on with Mimsu connections with the story, that whole scene where he realizes, you know, that he's kind of a frost giant and Odin's in the chamber with him. That scene's really cool. Because he says, um, like, I'm just one of your relics mm-hmm. in this chamber room. I think that, that's a, I mean, that's a not, it's a not inaccurate way of putting it. Yeah. I think
0: it's a good line for Loki to say, but at the same time, I think it's also just like kind of one of those things of like children misunderstanding their parents. Because I think right. like Odin and uh, Freya, like they genuinely view Loki as a son and they love him yeah. like
1: a son. So, yeah, I think Odin might have made a mistake from not telling him what he really was, but I think it's like it's a big. I like that he was trying to spare him the pain. But yeah, MCU connections. I wrote lots, ish. So Coltson and is in the movie again, and then Sitwell is actually introduced in this movie. He's not in any other movies. Yeah. Until this one. And I think
0: unlike Hulk, Shield actually. Looks a lot like it's going to continue to look,
1: um, in the future. Yeah, for sure. I wrote uh, a Hawk, Hawkeye is introduced, mm-hmm. or should I say, Clint introduced. Yeah, cl-
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, a good one. that's the one I was saving.
1: Anyway, other things. Selvig, Doctor Selvig in this movie. Yep. Odd, odd. thing about him, I can't remember his actual name. But his son is the guy that plays the. He played the remake of Tarzan the Live action one with Samuel Jackson. Everyone forgot this movie existed, but I saw it. In oh, years.
0: you mean the one that has like Sam Jackson and yeah. uh, yeah, and Margot
1: Robbie's in it? Yeah, so the guy that plays Tarzan, he was, if not the first choice, the second choice to play Thor, huh? And then Chris Emsworth either bagged it or the other guy bagged, backed out. I don't know, but then they ended up bringing him as his, his dad in the movie anyway,
0: yeah. I mean, good for them, I guess.
1: Um, and then the Tesseract. Yeah. And then I put in parentheses, "It's the best thing since sliced bread." Yeah. Because it's in that's, literally everything. That's
0: that's worth looking into.
1: I mean, every yeah, it's like, Captain America one, the Tesseract. Although I like that the end of Thor and credit scene is the Tesseract, and then the next movie that came out was Captain America. Mm-hmm. Was That was a really how, how they, smart way yeah, of playing it. That was really well done. And then Captain America's like, well, how are we going to do a big, cool end credit scene instead of Avengers? Let's do a trailer. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little on the nose, but okay.
0: No, it's fine.
1: But yeah, it's not the Warriors 3. It's actually uh, Lady Sif in the Warriors 3, which I was thankful that Thor introduced that Yeah, to us. Is there anything you noticed this time?
0: Not really. I mean, for the most part, I just. It was refreshing the, the whole movie. I just enjoyed watching it again.
1: Me too. Yeah. Who's your dark horse? Um, Lady Sif. She's pretty cool in this movie. She is pretty cool in this movie. I'm going to save her for probably The Dark World. Yeah. I think she's really good in that one, too. This one, I'm probably going to say, I didn't write it down. I don't know if I'm allowed to say Loki this early. <laughs> um, I know I'm not gonna say Fandral.
0: Which one was that one? Was that he's the, the blo- he's the blonde one with the sword that's yeah, later like, later the, recast. He's the Robin Hood one?
1: Yeah. Well, he's later recast by Zachary Levi. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. Man. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Jane Foster. Yeah. I because I don't think I'm gonna say her for Thor two. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna say
0: extent. Jane I'm gonna say Jane Foster for Thor Ragnarok.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> because not was, even in the movie. I know,
0: but the but isn't that the movie where he says the line about like having like a falling out or something? The breaking up, yeah. They're yeah. the, like
1: the the persons take the picture with it. they're like, Sorry, you broke up with Jane.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Loki's like patting his shoulder because he's like it's a mutual it's a mutual breakup thing. <laughs> I just like that they just do one throwaway mention and then they're just moving on. It's great. I think by Dark Horse or Thor Ragnarok, might be Doctor Strange.
0: It's alright. She'll be back in Thor. Thor.
1: <laughs> yes. Alright, well, any final thoughts about these?
0: Strongest just Avengers. I Strongest just, Avengers. I, I think I came out of this with a um, bigger appreciation for Thor just in the Avengers in general. Um, but yeah
1: I think so too I think this movie's really strong and it works really well it's not super huge in scale but it is you know because Asgard's like big in scale but the movie takes place in one town in New Mexico that was just a really smart setting and I like that it's the land of enchantment
0: I thought they divided their time well between the two
1: and wrapped it up pretty good Yeah, that was my main thing with this movie. It's like, it takes place in like three days. But that's not a bad thing at all. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, glad to join. Luke will be back to cover the best one. Thor 2. Oh, no. (laughs) World, or as uh, Thor the Dark World, or as Cole said in the last episode, World the Dark Thor.
0: (laughs) The Dark Thor. Where we get to see the first incarnation of Korg before Taika is like, no, I want to play him.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for listening. Um, always stay subscribed and find us on social media to make sure you never miss an episode. We got Star Wars content, Marvel yeah, yeah. content coming out all the time. Luke and David are doing lots of cool stuff, as always. So thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Okay? Bye. Bye.